Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Well, it's great to be with you here, PCC. And how many of you are doing the 40 Days of Decrease? Okay, if you, it's not too late to jump in. That's what you get every morning right on your phone and My husband and I have been right there with you all doing this, and we have just loved it. And it's such a different way to mark Lent, so I'd really encourage some of you who haven't maybe signed up. It's not too late. You still have 30 days, and you can join in. We're not legalistic here. It doesn't have to be 40. So, Um, It's St. Patrick's Day, and I think part of the reason that Brian wanted you to scoot in is so you could pinch those around you that aren't wearing... No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But I I will tell you that you do have a senior pastor who just says no to St. St. Patrick's Day because he's Italian, and he feels like there should be an Italian saint day. So I actually did some research and found 141 Italian saints, and I looked through all their names to see if I could come up with anything close to Gary Gadini, and uh, one of them is Guarino Foscari. That was as close as I could come. So I might encourage PCC that, you know, St. Guarino Day could be something that you all do here, just for Gary. Uh, But what you can do is pinch him later because he did not wear green. Um, I'm just thrilled to be here and and to be uh, with you in this series. And I know last week, Gary preached on Mary and her decrease of anointing Jesus's feet. And we get to hear from the master this week, Jesus who's going to show us his decrease in what he does in washing the disciples' feet. And Jesus was the master teacher, so he knew that this was not a lesson that he could give a parable about. He knew that this was not a lesson he could speak about and have the disciples really get it. It was going to be have to be shown. That was how he was going to have to communicate this message so the disciples would hear. And I have to tell you, a couple weeks ago I heard this story, and I thought it was so great for this particular lesson that Jesus teaches. Um, apparently the U.S. was going through a, a big push on illiteracy, and so they were trying to get the word out to get people to learn to read. And so somebody on the marketing team came up with a plan to put signs on the sides of buses. So I'm going to show you one of the signs that was out there. And this would be a classic example of doing something that is not going to be received by the intended audience. And for those of you who are a little slow getting it, uh, the people that needed to read it can't read. So the deal is, is that Jesus wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to make this mistake. He was going to show the disciples because he knew that if he, in fact, he had been communicating to them. If you want to be first, be last. If you want to be great, serve. He had been talking to them about this, but he really wanted them to get it here at the end. And so he brought them together, and he did what God has always done. And there's a famous quote by, it's attributed to St. Francis, and it says this, Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And what Jesus decides to do here in this passage is what God did by sending Jesus. He got skin in the game. He got skin in the game. He wasn't just going to send a message. He was going to give the message. 
And so that's what he does. And there's a couple truths that I think just set up this passage so well. They give us a, a sort of why Jesus did this. And it helps us as we think about servant love in our own lives. The first comes from verse 1. Jesus says this, Having loved them as his own, now this is the NIV, having loved them as his own, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Jesus' whole motivation for doing what he did in this passage was because he loved them. And that really has to be our motivation when it comes to service. Otherwise, people see right through it. If your motivation is guilt... You know, I loved um, what you guys talked about because I think so often Lent becomes something we check off the box. I'm going to do this. How many days can I go? Will God like me more if I do Lent? You know, the fact is that our motivation has to come from something else to really count. And I think that's true about servant love. That if we're going to go serve somebody, we better love them. Because otherwise they're going to see right through it. And Jesus loved the disciples, and that's why he did what he did. And then the second thing, so key, and I, this just lifted out of the passage to me, because I, when, I, when I saw this verse right before he did what he did, I thought, what a contrast that, that, that Jesus would do this. Listen to this, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. In other words, he was the most powerful human being in the universe. And so what does he do? He gets down on his knees and he washes the disciples' feet. What an amazing contrast of events that took place. And the reason Jesus could do that is that he knew who he was. He didn't judge himself on the basis of whether he was held up or humbled. He knew who he was in the Lord. And that is so hard for us in today's society. All you have to do is turn on your phone. And immediately you are in the comparison game. How do I measure up? And God wants us to measure ourselves by how he has loved us. That's how Jesus shows us in this passage that he knew who he was. There's a wonderful children's story, and some of you probably know this story. It's by Max Lucado. It's called You Are Special, and it's part of the whole series about Punchinello, who's like a puppet that the woodcarver has created. And this is actually a cover of the $6 version. I would actually recommend that you spend five extra dollars that my husband and I did not spend and get the nicer one because the pictures are a lot better. But it's such a beautiful story, such a simple story about this little village The woodcarver is the one that makes all the people. And the way they interact with each other is they give each other stars and dots. So if you are really great and you look great and you are successful, then you get a star. People run around giving you stars. But if you're not really measuring up and you're not so great, then you get a dot. And lo and behold, Punchinello is covered in dots. No matter how hard he tries, every time he walks around in the village, everybody gives him dots. And he meets this one girl one day, and he notices that they don't stick to her. None of the stars or the dots stick to her. And so he is curious about that, and he asks her, and she says, well, that's because I go see the woodcarver every day. And so he goes. And the next picture just shows the big finger on Punchinello's head. And what the woodcarver explains to Punchinello is that the stars and the dots do not define him. 
His love for him defines him. And so he removes not just the dots, but the stars too from everybody. And that is why she was able to walk around without them. They didn't stick to her anymore because she knew who she was. And if we know who we are, it frees us to serve. It frees us to be humbled because we don't need attention. We don't need everybody to know what we're doing all the time. We can quietly serve our audience of one because we know who we are. And I think that's what Jesus so profoundly shows in this passage. And so what I want to do is just kind of impart to you, as I lived in this passage, there were four principles about servant love that really came out of this passage to me. And I just want to pass them on to you. And if you have a program, you can follow along there. Four words. That's all I'm going to give you today as you think about servant love in your lives. The first thing that we see in this passage is that it's personal. It's personal. Jesus doesn't get a big bucket and say, okay, you guys, come on over, get your feet in, and there's towels over there. No, no, no. He removes his robe, gets the towel, and he kneels before each disciple. And we know that he does this because we actually get invited into the conversation between him and Peter. It's a great conversation. I love Peter, by the way. Peter's like, you're never going to do this. No way. I mean, everything he does is such extreme. And Jesus, of course, says, Peter, I have to do this. If I don't do this, you have no part of me. Oh, well, then let me take a bath. Get me all wet. I'm all in, you know. I mean, but we see this conversation. What we know is the conversations that weren't written here are the ones he had with all the other disciples. Because one by one, he stood in front of each disciple and he gave them what they needed. See, real, true servant love service is personal. You know what the person needs, and you do it. It's not blanket serving. It's figuring out what people need. And every good missionary knows that you go for the felt need first. Some of you have been on mission trips, or you've been serving in the community, and you know that, for instance, when you do this run for the Congo, you know that you're providing a real need that people have there. See, when people are starving or thirsty or don't have what they need to survive, they can't hear about Jesus. That is their real need, but they're going to find Jesus by you meeting what they need. And that's what we do when we exemplify St. Francis's quote. We show people who God is by our actions, and that's what Jesus is doing, but it's personal. So maybe a side thought is as you think about Lent, what kind of love has God given you? What kind of passion has God given you to do that one thing that he might be calling you to do, to step into that? So it's personal. The second thing is it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable. Any of you who have ever gotten a pedicure, and I know probably some of the guys in here have never experienced I actually made my husband do it once. I don't know if he'll ever do it again. But the truth is, when you get a pedicure, it's, it's vulnerable. You're taking off your shoes, and it's like, oh, my goodness, you know? And it can be very vulnerable, and especially in those days, it was vulnerable for the disciples because let's just be honest, you guys, their feet were gross. I mean, they walked everywhere. They walked in sandals. They walked in bare feet. And actually, the unique thing about this passage was not that they got their feet washed. They always got their feet washed. Everyone washed their feet before they ate. But there was always the lowest person in the room, the servant who did that. The unique part of this passage is that the master who they followed, who left everything to follow him, was the one who was serving them in this way. 
So he was vulnerable and they were vulnerable. And that's what you find with service, that both people are vulnerable together in the act. I, I don't know if you've ever experienced foot washing. I know you had a little neighbor nudge at the beginning, so some of you probably shared that you've uh, experienced this. I know I used to do it with my youth groups and kind of show the kids what serve but I never had my first experience of washing a stranger's feet and actually participating in a foot washing until a couple years ago. It was Monday, Thursday, and in our uh, Santa Barbara community, they do uh, foot washing at the vet center, and they invite all the homeless people to come, and you can get uh, shoes, or so- shoes and socks if you want, and if you want, you can get your feet washed. So people from churches all over Santa Barbara, they go there, and I was blown away when I showed up because there were so many people that showed up to wash feet. I didn't even know if I'd get to wash anybody's feet. And so I contemplated leaving, but I thought, you know what, I'm here. I'm just going to go in and see what happens. And so what they did is they kind of funneled us in, and then we'd sit in front of a basin and just see if anybody came over because it was, you know, completely optional. And lo and behold, I look up, and there's this guy walking towards me, and he has no teeth. And he sits down in front of me, and I'm like, hi, um, I'm Lori. And he said, I'm Arturo. He didn't really know why he was sitting there, but he thought, hey, I'm going to take advantage of whatever's going on here, right? And I said, well, Arturo, I'm actually going to wash your feet. And immediately he recoiled. And he said, oh, no, 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 I have fungus on my feet. Now, let me just tell you, if you are participating in a foot washing, that is not exactly the most inviting statement that you can hear. (laughs) So I'm sitting there and, of course, doing the wrestling match, and I'm like, and for some reason, because he was so vulnerable with me and so precious to me, it just caused me to answer him. I said, you know what? I struggle with that too sometimes. I sometimes have fungus on my toes. And in fact, I have one thumb that I really struggle with. And we had this whole conversation about fungus on our fingers. And I went, you know, it was so weird how both of us were vulnerable together. And some of you have been in that situation. When you go and you show up and you have no idea really what you're doing, but you're just willing to be there, you enter into these most personal, vulnerable moments with people. Because when people are coming to be served, they're in a vulnerable place. And what Jesus shows us in that passage is that we get down on our knees and get there with them because we're all vulnerable. Remember, no stars, no dots. We are all loved because we're his. That's who we are so we can serve. So it's vulnerable. And then the third thing that I think we really see is that it's sacrificial. It requires something of you. Whether it's money, whether it's running, whether it's time, whether it's something that's out of your comfort zone, it usually requires something from you. Now, I don't know about you, but even preaching this message on service, immediately I was so convicted because I am not the servant type. I really am not. I didn't grow up in a household where we were serving other people. And so I'm just always aware of my own selfishness. And maybe some of you relate to that. I just, you know, whenever I step out to serve, it's always an effort for me to get there. It takes a sacrifice, but it's amazing how God meets you in that sacrifice because it's not really about you. And one of the things that I have realized is that when I do show up, I never know what I'm doing. Half the time on mission trips, you don't know what you're doing. Half the time. 
And I remember one time uh, 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 several years ago, many years ago actually, you know, when I was a youth pastor at Berkeley, after I left that church, I moved to Orange County and I was teaching part-time and I was going to volunteer in a youth group um, at the church that I was going to, but um, I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone a little bit. I had taken my kids in Berkeley into the inner city on inner city plunges and I knew there were great needs there and I was living kind of close to LA, so... Once a week, I decided I'm just going to go up on Tuesdays and just volunteer with the kids after school program. And so I did that for quite some time. And then um, one girl I kind of got to know a little bit. She was just a beautiful girl, 11 years old. But I noticed that she wore the same thing all the time. And she was, frankly, starting to smell a little bit. So I knew, you know, there was neglect there. I didn't know what was going on. So I asked um, the director of the program, Say Yes Ministries, Save America's Youth, that's was the program. And he said, oh yeah, she's, um, you know, most of the kids end up with their moms because their dads are nowhere to be found. But she actually lives with her father because her mom's a drug addict on the street. She's only met her a couple times. And her dad has fathered like 20 different kids, all with different women. So I began to feel that nudge. And some of you know what that nudge is when you're hearing, hearing about a need, you know, and you're like, hmm, and God starts speaking to you about that need. And I don't know what you do when God starts speaking to you about something, but I usually do the very spiritual act of arguing with God about why I can't do that particular thing. And that goes on for quite some time. And so I'm like back and forth. No, I can't. I, what am I going to do? I have no idea. And, and finally, I just went up to her and I said, you know, how, how would it be if I came earlier, like a couple hours earlier, and I picked you up from school and we could hang out for a little bit before we go to say yes? Now, mind you, I had no idea what I was doing. And, of course, she was like, well, that'd be great. So I, I remember that first day. I had no idea. I showed up, and I picked her up. And uh, I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe you can show me where you live. And she was all too proud to show me where she lived. She had never been anywhere outside of Skid Row. And so she thought she lived in a palace because she lived in a hotel. Most of her friends were in shelters or on the streets. So she's parading me through the Skid Row Hotel. Now, I don't know if any of you have been in a Skid Row Hotel, but these are not like hotels that you and I stay in. These are filthy, dirty, drug-infested, urine in the hallway. I mean, just places you wouldn't want your children to be, let alone live. And she's just walking me through there, and I just feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience. And we get to her room, and she's showing me her room with a Bunsen burner, and it was just filthy. And I saw all her clothes piled in the bathtub. And, you know, this is what's weird about showing up in situations where you have no idea what you're doing. I mean, I wasn't going to sit there and go, well, let's do a Bible study right here. You know, I mean, I just knew, I, I was like, you know, I, I don't even know what to do. And I saw the clothes and I said, well, what about if we, what if, what if we take your clothes and we go to the laundromat? Well, of course, she's not going to argue with me about anything. She's like, okay. And that became my ministry with this girl. Every week, we would go to the laundromat because so often with service, it's not about what you're doing. It's about what's happening when you're doing this thing. And that's what happened as God began to knit our hearts together. But I have to tell you, that day, we went, I got her deodorant, I got her a razor, I got her some... That verse of becoming the fragrance of Christ took on a whole new meaning for me. <laughs> that's my ministry. That's it. It's always so simple when you step out to serve, isn't it? We make it complicated, so we don't do it. We go, oh, I can't do it. I don't know what I'm going to do if I get there. You know what? All you have to do is show up. 
You'll figure it out when you get there. God will figure it out for you. But if you just get your body to the place, let me tell you something. That is all it takes. And in that simple act of service, God moves. So I wonder what that simple act of service could be for you. I noticed in your program, and some of you might want to get this out right now. Look at this. PCC sock and underwear drive. Now, that's personal. By the way, you will look, it's supposed to be new underwear, so it's not that personal, okay? <laughs> but I want to ask you guys something. If everyone did, because I know we look at this, oh, I don't know, I mean, how much, you know, I don't have a lot of money. What if all of you all decided to do one pair of socks and one pair of underwear? That was it. Do you know that you pretty much could clothe most of the homeless people in this area with the amount of people that go to your church? See, this is what it is. If one person does one thing and we all join together, it's amazing. I mean, you guys see that in that race that you do for the Congo. If you do it together, it's amazing what you can do. But I want you to look at Lent like that because I think we make it too big in our minds. I do. And that's what causes me not to do it. Oh, I don't know. I don't have that much time. I don't... You know what? None of us do. You know, I think sometimes what we have to recognize about service is that we're never going to have time for it because it's not an urgent task. We don't wake up in the morning going, I've got all these extra hours. What should I do with them? That just doesn't happen, right? And, and so we have to kind of learn to categorize. There's this tiny little booklet that this man wrote, Charles Hummel. It's called Tyranny of the Urgent. Some of you may have heard of it, but I would recommend it. It will take you like 15 minutes to read. But you know what he talks about? The difference between urgent and important. Urgent takes up our whole lives. We wake up and we're, we have to be somewhere. We have to do something. Our urgent tasks. The important tasks, the things we come to the end of life and go, I wish I had done that more, they never demand our time. We have to choose to do them. We have to mark our calendars to do them, and that's how it is with service. We have to say, God, I'm going to do this. And so it is sacrificial, but here's the greatest thing, and this is the last thing that, that I want to say about service, and this is the way it is with Jesus and all of his teachings. It's surprising. It's upside down what happens in service because you show up to give, and guess what happens? You end up getting more than you give. It happens every time. If I can get myself out of the door into the place where I actually serve, I always get more than I give. And when I showed up at the vet center and only washed one guy's feet, Arturo, with no teeth in his mouth, and we were sitting there, what Arturo didn't know is that I was coming into that experience having just been kind of transitioning off staff at Ocean Hills, and partially because the pastors were like, we feel you're called to speak. We feel you're called to write. And we want to free you to do that. And I'm like, yeah, but what about my salary? <laughs> you know, I mean, you start, it's scary when God pushes you out. And I was in that space when I came to wash this guy's feet. And you know what he told me? He said, you know what? I think I'm going to be losing my green card. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Arturo, what are you going to do? And he said, well, one thing I know is that God always takes care of me. He goes, I wake up in the morning, and sometimes I don't know if I'm going to eat that day, but I always somehow find a meal. And sometimes I don't always get work. I wash dishes, but you know, because I have no teeth, a lot of people don't hire me. But it always works out. I went to wash a guy's feet, and you know what happened? He washed my soul, because he gave me what I needed that day. 
the spiritual truth that I knew, but I was still scared. And I thanked him. And we entered this together. And that's what happens when you step out and serve. And I think that's what Jesus is telling us. And I love that we started this service praying for these horrible, horrific shootings and things that are happening, the hatred that's happening between religious groups. And the last thing we learn from Jesus in this passage is that Judas was right there in that room, and Jesus washed his feet. Jesus knew he was going to betray him, but he washed his feet. I think that we have to be indiscriminate in our serving. We don't pick and choose. We just say, I'm here. I'm here, and I'm willing to be used. Let's pray. So God, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for this amazing example of servanthood that we see from our Lord Jesus, the ultimate decreaser, that he would get down on his knees and wash his disciples' feet that he wasn't defined by greatness or by humility, that even on Palm Sunday when everybody was covering him with stars, it had no less significance for him than on Friday when everybody was covering him with dots because he wasn't defined by that. He knew who he was. And God, we need to know who we are. We are loved and we are special and we have what we need. And God, help us take more risks to step out and love and give and serve others. I pray for my brothers and sisters right now that maybe they just think of one thing during Lent, one way to mark decrease, to step out and do something. And I know many are and many have, but God, I just pray that you continue to bring this lesson to home in our lives. And we thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.